0: Welcome to Interpreted, her podcast of public relations and strategic communications, demystified by Kelly Fletcher and Fletcher Marketing PR. Welcome listeners to the Misinterpreted podcast. I'm Kelly Fletcher, CEO of Fletcher Marketing PR, and I'm here with my co-host, Fletcher Senior Strategist, Mary Beth West.
1: It's great to be here as always. It feels like we just started this podcast journey the holidays are already here I can't believe it I can't either yeah there's only three weeks between Thanksgiving and Christmas this year and it's about to undo me yeah
0: And that's the perfect segue to today's topic, right. which revolves around stress and burnout. And there's no better time of the year to broach this topic as we're right in the middle of holiday season. And I just decided to host a brunch for 30 women on Sunday. And I'm like, okay, so I just want to add add more stress to my life. Well,
1: I, I, this year, and I think we did this last year too, my husband and I decided not to host a Christmas party. The, the problem with hosting an annual Christmas party is that the year you decide not to host one because you're about to pull all your hair hair out from yes. the stress of just the season, everybody thinks they didn't get the invitation. Yeah. And so everybody's like, oh, well, did you get the invitation? I didn't get the invitation. And so you've got all that. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> what have I created here? But, uh, you know, announcement to the world, we're not having one this year because, I, we, you know, we're kind of in survival mode too. Been overwhelming. It's just an overwhelming time.
0: Yes, it is. And, you know, to add fuel to the flame, public relations was once again ranked one of the top 10 most stressful jobs in America. Um, with, Not surprising. Uh, with four out of 10 of those being communications or media-oriented jobs. Enlisted military was number one, followed by firefighter, airline pilot, police officer, etc. Uh, PR was number eight on the list. And I do have a hard time comparing our jobs to, to those who risk their lives for our safety and well-being on a daily basis. But I think my mind and body often agrees with this ranking of number eight. Well, you know,
1: we talked about this a little bit on the Francis Ingham podcast interview, and he was talking about over in the United Kingdom that it's it's right in there with emergency first responders, the, the levels of stress that... The public relations professional community are reporting over in the UK. And so it, this is a global and it is a universal issue. And I think we're going to delve into this further in the podcast. But I mean, burnout is actually a big part of the reason that it really factored into why I decided to sell my agency at the time that I did and why I approached you about yeah, it.
0: I'm grateful and blessed because you could have called anyone, but <laughs> you chose me and it was actually in the month of December. Yes. I remember yes, on a so Friday up night. the
1: two-year anniversary. Yeah, it was on a
0: Friday night and you called me at like eight o'clock and I thought, what is going on? It must be an emergency. But I'm very grateful and blessed. And I'm also jealous because you got to take a much needed break. (laughs) But we're very fortunate that you've stepped in and worked as a senior strategist with our firm so much this year and joined me as the co-host of Misinterpreted. Yes. So we often talk about what topics we should tackle on the podcast and I felt really strongly that I wanted to tackle the topic of mental health as it relates to burnout mm-hmm. in the field of public relations. It took me a while to decide how much I wanted to reveal because yeah. of about my own personal journey with stress and burnout and even anxiety and depression, which incidentally are medical diagnoses where I stress and burnout are not, but they all play in the same sandbox yes, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I decided, One you know, leads to the other they for do, sure. It does. And But I'm a transparent person, and so if we sat down to lunch, I would tell you all about it anyway. So we decided to talk about this on this episode and how it's been an on-and-off struggle for me throughout my career, and I think you as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it is one of those things because the... You know, our podcast name is Misinterpreted, and we are really trying to be very truthful and transparent about some of the challenges that are part of the public relations profession and dispelling some of the myths and some of the misunderstandings that are out there. And I would say that mental health and well-being is probably one of the more misunderstood aspects of how to manage a career in public relations effectively. I was reading just the other day, it's interesting, the World Health Organization, other you know, everybody knows it is... from the acronym WHO, is they are finally bringing attention, I think, to the problem of work-related stress. They had announced earlier this year that it they're updating their definition of burnout in this new version of its handbook of diseases. It's called the International Classification of Diseases, um, ICD-11, which will go into effect in January of 2022 coming up. And the new definition, as they call it, is a syndrome and specifically ties burnout to, quote, chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed, end quote. So it's still not classified, as you mentioned, as a medical condition like depression, anxiety, but they're calling burnout an occupational phenomenon, so to speak. So who characterizes burnout by feelings of energy depletion, exhaustion, increased mental distance from one's job. I can kind of attest to that one. Or feelings of negativism, cynicism related to your job, reduced professional efficacy, those kinds of things.
0: I couldn't agree more with all of those symptoms. When I began researching burnout, I was trying to figure out if I was burned out or if I was just exhausted. And I learned that burnout is a form of trauma, and public Mm -hmm. relations and marketing are stressful careers, and then you add owning your own agency to the list, and everything that has to be done right now, and you sometimes feel like you're just a hamster on the wheel for so long, and that can be a recipe for burnout— if yeah. you're comfortable with it, I'd love for you to share your story of uh, your burnout story, yeah. yeah. Um, with oh, the I audience, would, sure,
1: sure, I can do that. It, before we go go there, though, can I interject one topic here, just in the moment? Let's talk about millennial expectations in the work um, yeah, in the in workplace. The, because as employers and especially in the public relations sector, we do have a lot of millennials entering the workforce. And of course now it's Gen Z that are that are gonna be coming through the pipeline shortly too. And I think that it's interesting how in the business community over the past i want to say 10 to 15 years there's been this new normal that's emerged of employers ceos you know everyone who's in the c suite you know we're kind of being expected to turn ourselves into pretzels almost in order to create an employment experience so so to speak quote unquote that is I don't know, that turns work into something that is supposed to be a kind of a lifestyle experience <laughs> almost in order to... make. It's and a it's, lot of pressure. Well, and we're going to talk a minute, I think, about the pressures that are on the people who are actually doing the hiring and the ones who are starting the businesses. And the, you know, there's a whole extra level of pressure on those individuals. But I just wonder whether the business community inadvertently by... Clearly, everyone's competing for workforce and competing for talent, but it's the narrative has gone into this whole direction of companies have to be something that they're really not cut out to be. Sometimes, in terms of you know making the employment experience almost like a Disneyland. I mean, you talk about you see a a lot of the corporations they're really going over the top with the employee break room or the yeah the amenity yeah all of those. Yeah, all of that, which is great if you're a publicly traded company and you have tens of millions of dollars to invest in that kind of thing, and it's like the cost of a paperclip to them. Right. But, but for small to mid-sized companies, th- that gets into a very weird area, and it starts creating expectations, I think, among employees that are not necessarily reasonable. Yeah,
0: and as an agency owner, you're impacted by how your employees are reacting how they feel and how their emotions are impacting the work that they do. Right, so. right. I mean, we. I think we all
1: want to make sure that our teams are that they're happy, that that we are, you know, providing positive cultures and positive work environments. But I think all of that has to be kept in perspective. I'll kind of share a little bit of my experience. Um, I remember when I was growing up, did you ever watch the Barbara Walters interviews? Yes, of course. I mean, growing up, I mean, I was, I'm a child of the 80s for the most part. And uh, I remember the Barbara Walters specials always coming on. And she, whenever she had a female guest, and it was always like a female celebrity, she would always ask them, how do you manage the career, the marriage, the kids? It was always something, it was clearly on her mind as a woman, a professional woman who was trying at that time, I guess, to manage all to of those things all. in her own life. And uh, I remember so well when she interviewed Katherine Hepburn one time, and you know, how direct Katherine Hepburn used to be. I remember her saying, we are simply not men. We can't have it all, meaning women. And I remember thinking, whoa, Katherine Hepburn, the woman who always wore the pants. I
0: agree with you know? her, though. <laughs> and, uh,
1: you know, but she was so direct about it being th- like, that's maybe not a realistic expectation for, and she clearly, Catherine Hepburn, as I mean, and I do idolize her in terms of her, you know, just legendary work and just so much about her persona was was just really cool. But I remember her very much made very concerted choices. She never had kids. She, I think she was married early on, but then got divorced. But I mean, her career was her focal point very much in her life. And so, and she made no bones about it. So, you know, I think as we go through life, you know, you go through your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, for women in particular, each of those decades, you are focused on very specific things. I think for for many of us, that's the case. For me, when I was in my 20s, it was all about getting out of school, career startup, getting things started career-wise on the right foot. And then, got married, you know, trying to establish that marriage and home life. In my 30s, I had three kids from the time I was about 30 years old to 38 years old. And during that exact same time frame, I was also starting my business. I don't know how you did
0: that with three little kids. I
1: really don't know either. I I had a lot of help. I had a lot of family support, but we also, you know, we had... um, we had nannies we had we made that investment for in-home right child care so did I. and uh that was important to me it was a very it was a big investment to make but it was the way that you know i was and you know when i first started my consulting practice it was a home-based business right. so i was there i had you know especially when having infants at home during that time frame I mean, I was trying to do most of my work while they were taking naps. I was doing huge swaths of work between about the hours of 9 p.m. and 1 a.m. That's how I started my business. I mean, it was uh, yeah, it was very, it was intense. It was very intense. But then in my 40s, it was a matter of how do I keep all these plates spinning? And at that point, I had started hiring people. I had an actual front-facing office and employees, and you had that whole overhead piece to start managing. And I started having to make some hard decisions about whether having it all, so to speak, means giving up being a whole person emotionally, given I mean, there's just so many hours You're in the pulled day. You're in so
0: many directions, yeah. and we can't. We it. This is what's causing this crisis, I think, right. among women in particular in the public relations right. profession. Well, you know, in,
1: in the very beginning parts of the years where I was starting that up, I got a huge energy, and I felt energized about, wow, I have the kids. I have this home-based business to start. I'm getting all this stuff done, doing interesting projects, and... It all seemed to be coming together fairly well, but then, you know, about five or six years into it, the financial meltdown happened, starting in 2007 with the economy, and that of course manifested in 2008. I remember I had been so excited about opening my first office and, you know, having these employees, and I think it was in the fourth quarter of 2007, we lost 40% of our business in two months. Yeah, because the clients got cold feet about the budgets that, you know, uh, that they were right at that time of year where they were about to be committing for 2008, and they just put the brakes on what they were planning on doing, and that was the most rude awakening in apart from my office burning down uh, two <laughs> years later or several years later that was the most rude awakening financially of uh, oh my gosh i mean this is not this is not what i signed yeah, up for yes. but then you know on the heels of the fire that happened with my business in 2012 and trying to recover from that you know we had some explosive growth in 2013 14 the growth of that though fed a beast of a roller coaster, largely resulting in people issues. We had a lot of new team members coming on board. I was very fortunate to get to work with a lot of terrific employees, but it was, you know, they're they're, they're just part and parcel of that. um, When you really start having employees coming on board and there's transitions going on with that and the changing cultural dynamics with different personalities and personality types being thrown into the mix there were just a lot of stress, added stresses there that I don't think that I was prepared for. I don't know if you've encountered that kind oh, of I thing. Oh, absolutely yeah.
0: have. One person can completely destroy a culture very mm-hmm. quickly. So we try to hire for culture. We try yeah. to be slow to hire, quick to fire if we have to. Yeah. Um, and most of those decisions have been made for me and my business um, based on a cultural fit, not not really on per- mm-hmm. performance fits. Mm-hmm. So, but it is, I remember the first time I had to let someone go and I, I didn't sleep the whole entire night before. It was just, that's it one was of the, heart-wrenching.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you, that's one of the myths. I think that one of the things that people don't understand about folks who own their own businesses is how much we sweat every detail of or many of us do. I know, I'd, I mean, I think I fall right into the same category that you do. Whenever I knew I had to make a hard, per, you know, personnel decision, like yes. there, it wasn't working out. It was, in fact, minute by minute, it was getting worse and worse. I would still just hesitate so much, like, about making that decision because I was thinking about their family, like, right. or thinking about... Yeah, the, the, the issues and the, the other people that could be impacted by that. And what people don't know about owning your own business, no one knows or understands the sacrifice that you make. So you get very little empathy, Really? And so if, if you go into business thinking you're going to be the hero, no, no <laughs> you <and> are
0: not. <laughs> I think so many people look at my life and think I have it all and they have no idea what I go through and mm-hmm. how hard it's been. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, they, they don't understand the late nights. They don't understand, well, like with me, you know, working from nine to yes. one in the morning for really years, numerous years, they're just to get the business started. And that doesn't count all the other stuff I was doing during the day and just, making, making something work to where I could have it come together in the right way. And you end up, unfortunately, you find out kind of the worst or the worst side of some people. And you get, you're on the receiving end of that. You sometimes really get used and abused by some people. And I think about how many people never paid their bill, you know, never paid their Uh invoices. It didn't matter that I could have hauled them into court. They knew it was going to cost me more money Yes. to haul them into court than I would ever realize from them. So I think a lot of employees don't understand what you go through as a business owner with some of those pretty harsh business realities that, that come down the pike at you. And But the hardest part for me, though, was on the few occasions that I really encountered people demonizing me personally because it benefited them or their narrative in some way. I've had that happen a number of times and it's just always shocking because I like to think of myself as a pretty positive
0: person. And very and, fair and, person. and,
1: and Yeah. And, and I try to be very fair-minded and I will sacrifice a lot of my own self-interest to make sure that I not only am being fair, but am being perceived as fair. And it is awfully hard when there's really nothing you can do to stop someone from from doing that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's but it's part of being the man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you will, you know, working for the man. But wh- whoever is assuming that role very often you you do get on the receiving end of that stick. And also, there's no real vacation.
0: There's never a real <laughs> vacation. I mean, I tried to take some time off last Thursday and Friday mm-hmm. and I ended up working. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At least five or six hours both days yeah. from taxis and hotels and everything else. Well, and you know, after
1: 15 years of having been in business myself, that transition to your firm, it was like, I remember that two summers ago, we were able to take a, the kids out on a driving trip out west. We were, out, we were gone for two weeks. Never would have been able to even contemplate doing that kind of trip if I still had the company. And it was the first trip that I ever took that my kids ever remembered without me having my laptop wow. with me. and That's, that's profound
0: for well, them. I mean, you have to ask yourself yeah. too, as a woman, like what kind of example were you setting for your daughters right. growing up that they think they have to have a laptop mm-hmm. and a phone yeah. and be on it, it all the time? Well, my
1: third quote unquote maternity leave, I was 38 years old when I had my third daughter and The, you know, at that time I had employees and we had an outside office. We were at, and I was planning on taking several weeks off. Yeah, my my home computer was connected to my office and I was still going to work a little bit. You know, the understanding was I was going to really try to take some form of maternity leave. Well, I know no sooner than get home from the hospital, having had a C-section and all that good stuff and just in pain and all of that. The backups that I had had at the office who were going to be kind of jumping in and handling it. They had some in their families, both of them had some personal health crises that happened in their families and they just couldn't do what we had, what the game plan, what the plan was for them to do. So you got no maternity leave? I really got none. I mean, I was straight from the hospital back home and at my computer, just kind of trying to get the client work done, trying to do... And that was hard. That was really hard because I knew, like, this is time home from the hospital with my— It's a once-in-a-lifetime. This, this yeah, this is the last child I will ever have. It was our, our third. And I was like, that, that really made me stop and think a lot. But these are the kinds of things I couldn't complain to them because they had their own. Right. You know, it, it wasn't anyone's fault. It was just the way that unfortunate circumstances kind of came together. So you just kind of suck it up. But these are the kinds of things that when you're the business owner, you're not allowed to speak openly about any of that.
0: Well, and And, to your point, that's why I really thought hard about whether to have this conversation because you also have clients who are listening who are like, oh, is she off the deep end? Is she burned out? She's not going to be able to get her work done. Yeah, and it is just
1: that transparency and being able to share that story. And I think with... It doesn't matter whether it's other entrepreneurs and other business and and people who we would want to work with as clients. It's I think the experience that we bring to the table and the counsel we can bring to them about how to manage these issues because we've experienced them firsthand, this is part of the reason that clients want to work with consultants who really operate as CEOs or operate at that level as founders of their organizations yes. and founders of businesses because they understand the unique situations that you're that you're dealing with. But, you know, I had some chronic burnout myself in those last couple of years with the company. And I think it was just because it was all those things that came to a head, you know, all of those collective stresses. So just have waking up in the middle of the night, not being able to get your brain to slow down, it interrupts your sleep, which once you start having... Sleeplessness or sleep issues that starts unleashing all other kinds of wellness problems. Low energy, you can end up getting weight gain. You know, if especially if you're in a kind of at a sitting at a desk.
0: They say has, that sleep is my
1: enemy. Yeah, right now. and that's one of the things that I've read about recently. That sitting is the new smoking, and just sitting at a desk and that the lack of exercise, the ruts that that can create. These are just all the things you have to think about when you have started a business and you're wanting to sustain it long term. You do have to manage those stress outcomes in a proactive way before they create a crisis. And
0: it's a mental game. A lot of it is as a mental game, trying to keep yourself in a good space, in a good headspace.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So part of my just sharing this is just me being wanting to be conscious about my journey. And I do think that when you share it and you will, there's a catharsis with that for sure. But I do think that if we can help other women who are thinking about entrepreneurship or they're headlong into the process of being an entrepreneur and they have faced some of these things too, it helps when you feel like you're not alone.
0: It really does. And to your point, you know me and I'm all about empowering women and helping other women, Mm -hmm. helping other female entrepreneurs. Our business is all about reaching women. So, and I can relate to everything you said on so many levels. I do want to say that we're not trying to sound all Debbie Downer here because I have to tell you (laughs) that as hard as it's been, I wouldn't trade it for the world Mm -hmm. and it would take an off lot for me to go back to working for someone else. I mean, mm-hmm. i I love the I love the adrenaline rush of working with clients and yeah. solving prop solving business oh, yeah. problems and having great success. But then there's the other side of it, which is just that it our careers in PR are nonstop. I mean, they're twenty four seven. News doesn't stop just because we took a nap or went to sleep. So
1: yeah we're just in one of those um, industries where that that's the nature it is the of what of we do and the the demands that are that are required of that if what we're sharing here can help other people who are considering starting their own firm to really think through the considerations and not just the not just the rewards but also the risks and just some of the things they need to be thinking about as they undertake that then I think we're doing a good service for them. It can be kind of a lonely path. You've confided to me that you were so burned out in January of this year that you sought out some counsel and sought out some help with that. So can you tell us a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah. And and the reason that I want to share it is because, like you said, if you're considering starting your own business, and lots of millennials are, that's the kind of the the new path, the gig economy. right. I think that if I would have had these pointers and known what I know now, I would have probably been more intentional about Mm -hmm. taking care of myself and my health and well-being. And I think that if I knew what I knew now and I can share, then maybe this will help other people, not just women, but men too, approach entrepreneurship or approach their career with tools in hand to stop and take care of themselves before this level of stress reaches so high that it turns into burnout or you start having panic attacks and anxiety. And so... What yeah. happened with me is, just like you, when I started the business for the first five years, I was just on a huge adrenaline rush. I mean, yeah. I I could work 24-7. I was just so excited to have the opportunity to have my own company and my own office. And I would just go to my office and look around and say, damn, this is my office. Yeah, yeah and just excited about I was just so about excited the opportunity. about yeah. everything. And then over time, and I always thought that we would always be in growth mode. And the first year that we didn't grow— I really took it hard. I just Mm -hmm. thought companies grow year over year, every year, no matter what's going on. And and there was a lot going on um, with me personally. My son was graduating high school, and he went to school in Europe first year studying abroad. So I became an empty nester, and he was my whole reason for starting the company. So that was hard. I was getting sick a lot because I was so stressed out that Mm -hmm. when you're stressed— your immune system is down. And so you get sick a lot. And then, and my dad had had a heart attack and my mom had got cancer. And so all this has been going on over the past couple of years. So in January, I just was about to lose it. I just thought, Mm -hmm. I've got to get some help here because I just started feeling like, I don't, I'm not myself. Like, I I don't feel like getting up. Mm -hmm. I don't don't have the drive. I don't have the energy. I don't have the passion that I Mm -hmm. used to for what I do. And so that led me down this whole path of research. And that's when I learned that burnout is a form of trauma. And I totally think that I was burned out. And I found this neuropsychologist who specializes in working with executives who are suffering from burnout. So... I did a lot of research and I found out that burnout really affects your brain. It enlarges your amygdala. That's the part of the brain that controls your emotional reactions. Burnout reduces the connectivity between different parts of the brain. Mm -hmm. And that can lead to decreased creativity, which I felt. Working memory, you get that brain fog and problem solving skills. You would just kind of get paralyzed with before where I would be able to make split second decisions. I found myself questioning myself and not being willing to take as many risks. So I sought out this neuropsychologist who works with executives who are suffering burnout. And I went to Jackson Hole for a week and he hooked me up to these I don't know what you call them sensors that go on yeah. your brain, and basically it's the same kind of treatment that they use for PTSD people. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not saying that I, I was having I had PTSD, but it's the same therapy. And basically they're these series of tones and sounds that are supposed to bring your brain back into some semblance of. Um, connectivity between the different parts of the brain, mm-hmm. where the connectivity has been reduced because of the amygdala and all. And anybody who's a scientist listening to this is probably just going to be laughing because <laughs> this is this is my <laughs> armchair explanation of me yeah. going to Jackson Hole, spending a lot of money to be hooked up to sensors, just desperate but for it, some but kind. It sounds of, like
1: you got something from this. I really process. did. I okay. mean, I,
0: you know, I don't know if it was just the placebo effect, but I came back so energized. Really? I I could feel things happening in my body. Like I would be connected to these to these head that the headsets and the sensors mm-hmm. for hours a day. And I could see flashing light. I could feel tingling in my body. I the rest of the time just kind of spent a lot of time in nature and writing in my journal and working on my life plan. Which one of my friends laughs and says, "You're just now working on your life plan and you're 50." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, I can have I can have a new life plan." Um, and so I came back with like this. renewed sense of energy and creativity. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that I still don't have days where I'm just exhausted, like today is one of them. But I think that burnout, and I've read too, that burnout is not always associated with just the physical and the exhaustion part, but it's about feeling stagnant in your work or feeling like you need to re invent yourself or reinvigorate what you're doing. And so I came back and I was like, okay, that's what we're going to do. We're going to start a podcast. I'm going to write a book. We're going to rebrand. We are going to look at our business differently. We are going to try to get clients on a global scale who want help bringing their products to the US. And slowly, I just. Came out of the burnout. Wow, that is
1: really, that's a very transformative kind of experience from having just been able to take yourself consciously out of the environment that you were in. I mean, going out to Jackson Hole fabulous place, by the way. So scenic. You're close to nature. You're close to so much natural beauty and almost, I'm
0: sure, kind of a spiritual kind of It really was. And for me, when things like this are going on, I go internal, even though I'm such an extrovert. Like, In order to get re-energized, I can go sit in a bar and just not talk to anybody. And I just soak up all their energy and that re-energizes me for the Uh next day. It's kind of crazy, I know. But I think I've learned along the way that self-care and wellness are a decision that you have to make on a daily basis. And yeah, what about New Year's resolutions? Do you believe in New Year's resolutions? Because we're coming up on the new year, and I'm just wondering, do you think resolutions <laughs> help or is that just a fairy tale?
1: Uh, no, I think that being able to recalibrate your thinking, and I mean, I think that a lot of people use New Year's for every logical reason as a way to finally just stop, look around, really self-assess, where they are in life, are they at a place that they feel comfortable with, that they feel excited about? It's just a, an opportunity to look at the future as a new opportunity. I'll kind of say that ap- after we did the agency sale, and that was really about two years ago, it was yeah. January of 2018, It's it, it really took me a l- pretty long time to feel like I had detoxed from all that I went through for the really the prior 15 years, all the stresses that had been part of it that I'd kind of Relayed just a few minutes ago, but don't get me wrong. I mean, I I don't want to. You said you don't want to be Debbie Downer. I don't want to be that way either. I have really have a blessed life, and so many ways I'm very, really fulfilled in what I do. I'm married to a guy who may be the one of the best husbands in all of Christendom. He's just that's he's a, true. He is really <laughs> he's Charles. awesome. He's a just a fantastic person. And yeah, you know, one footnote to that. I think one of the most important things that whoever the significant other someone might have in their life, what they can do for each other from a mental wellness place is to be a guardian. a supporter of the other person's alone time. You have to have Um, alone time. As in, you know, each of us being able to spend alone time, you know, just have some time by ourselves or with other circles of people to other friends, not being territorial in each other or you know in each other's face all the time. It's just a really big part of being able to have that day to day. We have just three fantastic daughters. We love our community. We have so many opportunities. East Tennessee, incidentally, is one of the most beautiful and soul-filling places on planet Earth to live. And we we just have a lot of wonderful things going on in those regards. So it's really the best of times right now. I look back on the past 15 years when it was my name, literally, on the door there was a lot we accomplished. There was a lot that I felt that I accomplished. I had many fantastic team members, as I mentioned, you know, many of whom are, you know, now charting their own careers in such exciting directions. I mean, I think about Sarah, uh, you know, on our Sarah team. Sarah Merrill on our team. just yeah. yeah. Got 40 under 40 in the Greater Knoxville Business Journal. I was able to make a difference over 15 years for well over 100 clients or so. I think that for anyone in our business, it's important to take some time and to reflect, try to absorb what you have accomplished and truly appreciate and be thankful for it. I know as for myself, i never did that enough during those 15 years. I never would really just press the pause button and just say, wow, I'm really proud of what I've done or what I am doing. It was always the next hill I had to conquer. It was always I just, I lived in that stress of the next thing that was c- bearing down on me or that I wanted to try to aspire to. It was never backward looking or uh, like looking in the past of, wow, I'm glad I did that. So th- I think that didn't help me at that time.
0: At well, the time, I mean, a part of the personality profile for our profession, I mean, a lot of us are type A overachievers. So yeah, yeah, that we're is- always looking forward to what we we don't think about what we've accomplished, we only see what we want to accomplish yeah. or where we want to be. And
1: that's a survival technique, really. When you're when you own your own business, you have to feed the beast, you know, and always keep new business and keep the next big opportunity and strategy in front of you. Last month before the holidays got underway, I started seeing a wellness consultant, someone who really specializes in the full spectrum of wellness. And for me, it's all about trying to make some long-term changes and starting some new habits because I mean, I'm in my 40s now and I'll be 50 in several years. And I just realized I wanted to get into some kind of accountability mode with that. And just, whereas making decisions and, and habits about exercise and those kinds of things was really easy in my 20s when I didn't, really my career was the central focus in my life now that I have so many other responsibilities and things that I have to really pay very close attention to, it's just, it's nice to have someone be able to advise me on that and kind of be a coach in a way. Yes, And asking for help from someone who is really qualified, I think can be very important and, and part of that process. And I, too, understand that some of the changes that I'd like to make in my life, it's not going to necessarily happen overnight, and I'm not going to beat myself up if I don't make them happen overnight. Right. It's just an idea of starting a positive process. And when you talk about New Year's resolutions, those are the kinds of things that are on my radar screen right now for next year is just this idea of slowly
0: but surely. Right. Yeah. Making small incremental changes, to, Right. Too. right reduce stress.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And that, that that makes a big difference. So have you found anything that helps you stay on track to handle all the things, Kelly, that you have going
0: on? Yes, I have. And maybe I hope this will inspire someone younger than me to not make all the mistakes I've made, which is to always put myself last and yeah. to work late, go home late, order too much hub. <laughs> 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 but so I've learned that Like I said, that taking care of yourself is a decision you have to make on a daily basis. And you really have to time block your calendar to make sure that you have some protected time for yourself. And you have to be committed to that. And you have to just go ahead and accept the fact that not everything that you think you can get done today probably will get done. And sometimes good enough is good enough. That's right. Letting go of perfectionism is one thing that I've learned. I've also... I'm really cognizant of protecting my energy and um, yes, I not could. just my get up and go, because yeah. that's important, but protecting my energy and being mindful of who I spend my time with. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to be around negativity. I don't want yeah. to be around drama. If I feel myself getting sick or run down, I just go ahead and make the decision, I'm going to rest and i'm yeah. and i may feel guilty if i don't go to the office and i stay home in my pajamas and rest but if i don't do that i'm not going to be able to serve my employees, I mean, our clients, right. my family—if I don't take care of myself first, um, my faith is a very important part of my journey. And sometimes I think when everything's going well, we forget our faith, and then when we need it, you know, we pull it back out of our back pocket. And right. I've tried to be also more mindful of keeping my faith at the forefront because this is just yeah. this is just a job. It's a career. It is not everything. It's all going to diminish and go away, but. What we really have at our core is our faith. And then gratitude is huge for me. I have a gratitude journal. I don't write in it every single day, but I do try to write five things every day that I'm grateful for. And that really shifts your mindset. And I know gratitude journals are kind of a trendy thing. I've had one since my 20s. Wow. And sometimes I go back and I look at what I was mm-hmm. grateful for in my 20s. And I'm shocked that it's pretty much the same stuff I'm yeah. grateful for today. Yeah, And um, my business is one thing that I'm grateful for and yeah. the journey and everything that I've learned from it and from all the people that I've met and all the relationships that I've been able to build. It's been very rewarding. So mm-hmm. the good outweighs the bad at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And I uh, I try to project out what my life might be like 20 or 30 years from now. And the, I try to project out things that I might be regretful of then in, in those years ahead if I don't make certain decisions now. Right. That's a big part of what motivates a lot of my decision making about, especially if it's a big decision like selling my business, or if it's thinking about, okay, my children are this age now. My, you know, I, I'm so blessed to have my parents still in my life, and You're i not want not going to get that time back. Yeah, we have to be really facing those hard decisions about how we spend our time, especially at, at, at various junctures in our lives. And so, I think that just taking stock, like you said, is so so important. And I hope that this conversation is going to help other people be thinking about this, especially where this time of year where you know it is a time of family. It is a time of gathering together and really counting those blessings and just be able to take stock of that. This has really been a very insightful conversation for me. I hope it has been for our listeners as well. We'd like to encourage all of them to take a moment to breathe, take a break, enjoy the holidays with your family, unplug, do whatever. It takes to be well, and that means not only physically but also emotionally. Also, our profession is exciting and creative, but it's also very demanding. So we, you know, we have to take that time. Kelly, you've been terrific to share some of these insights. It's re- it, it takes some courage to come out and really s- reveal what part of your journey has been like this. Yeah. And 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 I really think that if more leaders in our business would would do this, it would make it okay for people to be able to talk about it, not only on the employee side, but also on the employer side, which I I think until we get to a point where we're having those open and honest conversations, I think we're going to continue chasing our tail as an industry in terms of getting our arms around the
0: issue. My life is not perfect and none of our lives are perfect. And I think that we need to be more supportive and embrace each other and lift each other up. Yeah. And as women, we need to really empower each other and support each other with everything that we have on our plates. And Amen. And on that note, yeah. I'd like you to know, Mary Beth, that you have a permanent place in my gratitude journal. Oh, that is just
1: really sweet. I, <laughs> I appreciate that. And... I tell you, you um, you really created an opportunity, not only for me, but I think for, for both of us and for a lot of people when you opened your door to me two years ago so that we could begin working together in the way that we have. And I think the podcast is such a great manifestation of that and... I'm very blessed by having you in my life. Well, thank you. Without I am question. too. It's
0: been the best two years to have someone who has your back at every yeah. level. So to our listeners, don't forget to follow the Misinterpreted Podcasts and social media. We'll respond to your questions and comments. So please post them using the hashtag... Ms. Interpreted, and that's hashtag Ms. Interpreted. And for visibility's sake, don't forget to capitalize the PR. You can also follow me on Twitter at KD Fletcher, as well at Fletcher PR, and follow Mary Beth at Mary Beth West. Our thanks to our sound engineer, Chris Hill of Knoxville-based HumblePod at HumblePod.com. Thanks for joining us. Until next time. Thanks for joining us on Ms. Interpreted, Public Relations Demystified. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at FletcherMarketingPR.com and on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you next time.